0: Absolutely awesome. Here's the deal. There are no closed doors in the kingdom of God. Now, there's a lot of obstacles, and even there is a fair amount of opposition to this trusting in Jesus thing. It's not an easy road. It's an adventure. It's wild. It's crazy. But there's no closed doors in the kingdom of God. Open. The angel of the Lord opened the doors. Just, just open for a moment. Open up your hands. Just open up your hands. In fact, they tell you before you get up and speak to just take an open position. So I'm just going to do that right now. Because we spend most of our days hunched over a computer yeah. or a bicycle. And when we get old, we walk like this. Okay. Open it up. Open it up, baby. Open hands. There are no locked doors in the kingdom of God. God wants to open closed doors. Today, he's doing that right now, here, right now in this service. Uh, He's going to open more closed doors. Joseph's going to come up here in a few minutes and tell his story about opening doors. He's going to bring his team up here. It's going to be awesome. God... When he opens doors, he opens us to new possibilities. He opens us up to new dreams. Your your sons and your daughters, they're going to prophesy the spirit says. And the young men are going to dream dreams. Your old men, your old men are not done. They have vision for the future. So the Sadducees, the ruling leaders were jealous. They throw these guys in jail, an angel comes and opens the door and says, go and stand and tell. And so they do it. And as Gary read, you know, they come to the, to the jail expecting to bring their prisoners, and there's nobody there. And then someone says, hey, wait a minute. They're standing, they're standing right in the temple courts, and they're teaching all the people, It's made them jealous. They haul them in. and They're so angry, they want to kill them on the spot. And Gamaliel, he's a smart guy. He speaks some reason to them and says, hey, be careful. You might be working against what God is doing in our community. So the text says that then they flogged them. And then it just passes on. They flogged them. And then notice what it says. In uh, uh, 41 and 42, the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. The name. Remember last week, Todd, Anoma, the name of Jesus. And then it says, day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. We are a go, stand, tell movement. If someone asks you, oh, hey, what about the River Church? You know, what are you guys up to? It's this. We, we go, and we take a stand, and we tell. So first of all, uh, go. Ours is always a movement forward. We're always going the angel of the Lord came and opened up the doors of the jail, and he told the apostles, I want you to go. That's our mission. We're a go people. We're moving forward. The whole story of the Bible is about the go. Back in, in, Exodus, back in Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, go from your country. Get up and go, your people and your father's household, to the land I will show you. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. That's the the mission of God, is go, and through you, every single person in this world will be blessed. That's why Nicole Watts goes. You go. He told Moses in Exodus 3, So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. He said to Jonah, Jonah, Go to the great city of Nineveh. On the way, through disobedience, he spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. Jesus quoted that and told the story about himself. And then Jesus, he culminated his relationship with the disciples in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, what? Go Go and make Disciples. disciples of everyone all around the world. And the book of Acts starts in Acts 1.8. It's the theme for the whole book. Jesus says, but you, followers of Jesus, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses first in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria and ultimately to the ends of the earth. The call is always to go, to move forward. So the angel opened the doors and said, go. Go. Where to go, where to move forward. Even when God calls us to be still, even when call, God calls us to wait, to rest, to refuel, to recalibrate, even when we're stopped in our tracks with obstacles and difficulties and tragedies, it's still a go. Even when we're in the prison, in the jail, and the door doesn't open as soon as we want it to open. It's still a go. We're still moving forward. Or if the door never opens. The strength of the river really is in our tributaries. Now, we gather together, and we love it. We worship. We pray together. We pray for each other. We're we're, we're gathered together as the people of God. But we don't stay here. We're always scattered. And it's just amazing when you think about what you're involved in and the way you're bringing hope to the world and hope to places where God calls you to move, what what is happening by the Holy Spirit. It's not contained in this room. It is blasted out of this room into the community. It's always what has made the river strong. We're a go people. Where, Where is God calling you to go? What, what's he itching inside of you? What, what, what is he prompting inside of you? It's just this, this, this nudge, or Todd called it the push of the Holy Spirit. Where is your go? You might be young, might be in high school, and your go, well, for a lot of your day is a high school campus. Or maybe you teach there, might be your place of work. But when we think about what is happening through River Hopes, please visit the table, and and, and you see what in just the month of October has been happening through the lives of individuals who are following the prompting of the river. It's it's all over the place. And one of our joys has been partnering with the Martin Home that Joseph Hamilton helps to, to, to lead and to push. And We have so many of their brothers and sisters here. This is amazing what is happening. But we're not only a go people, but we're a stand people. The angel opened the door of the jail and said, now I want you to go, and I want you to stand. Where were they called to stand? It says in the temple courts. I want you to go stand in the temple courts. Now you have to understand something about the temple. It was the seat for centuries of the spiritual and political power in Israel. And it was ruled by the chief priests, his associates, mostly Sadducees. They were in charge. And Jesus, in his ministry, condemned their leadership because they had perverted God's desire for this holy place. He said, you keep going the road you're going, and it's not going to end well for you. And so they crucified him. And now the disciples, the follower of Jesus, keep, they keep pushing right onto the doorstep of the temple, the temple courts, the place of, of power, spiritual, political leadership over their nation. Don't be a tourist. I want you, I want you to, to, to get in there. Take a stand. This is a ragtag revolutionary bunch and they're now promoting an alternative message, an alternative life, an alternative community, a new, a new community, a new, a new family. And it's a rival to who's currently in charge. God was doing something in this community because of the resurrection of Jesus and it impacted their relationships It impacted their finances. It impacted their politics. It impacted their housing, their values, and their priorities. It was turning their lives and their world upside down. And it was the resurrection of Jesus that had ignited the whole thing. It changed everything for them. And so they took a stand in the temple courts and we're teaching the people. We don't want you to go teaching that name anymore. Are we supposed to obey you, or are we supposed to obey God? We're gonna choose God. And there was great opposition. Uh, Luther said this. The, the best way to drive out the devil, and you'll notice that the word evil is included in that word. The best way to drive out the devil if he will not yield the text of Scripture is to jeer and flout him, Luther said. They're, at the, the, they're on the front porch of the temple mocking the ruling leadership. And it says in the text, first, they were really jealous. And then what? They were furious. Jealousy can lead to fury. They wanted to stamp out this rival. When Peter first taught, 3,000 people came to Jesus in the first day, and they were all baptized, and now there's this incredible fellowship, this richness of life around Jesus. And then Peter preaches and explains another time, and now the text says that there were 5,000 men in addition to families. Like, this thing is, is catching on, And the leaders can't control it. But they want to. They want to stamp it out. Followers of Jesus have been persecuted from the beginning. I want to be careful with that word persecuted. But true persecution sprang up around this early community. 200 AD, Church Father Tertullian said this, addressing the Roman rulers. Kill us, torture us, condemn us, grind us to dust. The more you mow us down, the more we grow. The seed is the blood of Christians. Persecution will refine the church, but it'll never destroy it. There's an amazing ministry called Open Doors. They minister to the persecuted church around the world. And through their research and their partnership with academics, including our State Department, they develop what's called the World Watch List. They have the 50 most difficult countries in which to be a follower of Jesus. Where there's real persecution. And they have come up with two words they use to sort of describe that persecution. The first one is squeeze, and the second is smash. Smash. And they say that oftentimes it starts with the government or then members of the community, even mobs, and then one's own family members where there's this kind of squeeze on people that choose to follow Jesus, squeezing them down, maybe economically, maybe difficult to get a job or to go to school or to get permits, but they, they squeeze it down. And when that doesn't work, their jealousy moves to rage. And that's the smash. That's violence. And there are believers today, more believers are losing their lives today than at any other time in the history of this movement. We often don't feel it because we barely get a squeeze in our country. They've taught us that death, even death is not a closed door. So... C.S. Lewis wrote the screw tape letters, and they're letters from a senior devil to a junior devil on how to trick Christians, how to win against the enemy. The enemy is Jesus. And here's just a sentence from his preface in setting up the book. I want you to think about our, our culture today, what we're dealing with today, because we don't really experience much of a squeeze or a smash. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils, C.S. Lewis said. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They, the devils, themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight that idea of the materialist may describe the culture that you and I kind of breathe in. And maybe their strategy is not to smash. I don't think the devil worries about whether we believe in him or not. In fact, he'd be pleased if we don't even think about him. And I'll tell you, our culture does not know what to do with evil. And we have seen evil we instead maybe are distracted by stuff. It just has overwhelmed us by technology. It just inundates us with stuff or comfort. And then we get bent out of shape when we feel the squeeze or we get shocked by the smash, by the evil. Let's pause to think. The angel told the apostles... Go, take a stand. I want you to take a stand. As a follower of Jesus, you take a stand. And sometimes we take a stand for, for what is right and what is beautiful and what is pure and what is lovely and what is true. We stand for that. And the world needs more followers of Jesus who stand for the right. But sometimes we take a stand against Now, unfortunately, oftentimes in our culture, the world around us thinks that Christians are just defined by what we're against. Like we're just whiners and complainers about everything. But there comes a time when we have to take a stand against. Against what is wrong. Against the abuse of power. Our voice must be heard. And then sometimes we take a stand with. We take a stand with the vulnerable. We must do that. We must go to war-torn countries with the coal and justice rising and start schools for children who are afraid of a bomb and a bullet. We stand with those who are hurting, those who are sick, those who, who... who wonder about tomorrow, who are afraid, we come alongside them, and we stand with them. Even if we're quiet, we're just present for one another. So the angel said, I want you to go, and I want you to stand. And then he said, I I want you to tell. Go, stand, and tell. What do you tell? The text tells us right there in verse 20, tell the people all about this new life. I love that. It's not nearly uh, necessarily telling all the people why you're right and why they're wrong. No, oh, tell them about this new life. T- tell them all about your story. You know, if you read the book of Acts... Up to this point, they don't really know what to call this thing. This, in fact, one time, the, the, the elders did call it this thing, you know? What, 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 what's going, what is it about this thing you guys got going on? And here, the angel calls it this life. That's a, that's a great description of what this is all about. Give an explanation for your life. Tell people what's going on here. Tell people your story. It's all about the resurrection, this amazing community and fellowship that we have, and the healing that's taking place, the the transformation of lives that are happening because of the resurrection. A community moving forward, a community that goes and stands, is always going to have stories to tell. N.T. Wright, a theologian I like, he says this, Life itself had broken through the normally absolute barrier of death and had burst into the present world of decay and corruption as a new principle, a new possibility, a new power. It's this life that was carrying the apostles. And he's carrying the river down this wild uh, uh, rapids. And and if if you've ever gone down a river through the rapids... At nighttime around the campfire, you have lots of stories to tell your friends. This is a wild, crazy, unpredictable, difficult, sometimes painful adventure wrapping our lives around the resurrection of Jesus. Tell the people all about this new life. This new life is happening right now. We're not waiting for it, it starts now, even when we're in prison. This life is here. And the powers don't like it. And they will try to squeeze it out or smash it down. But we go. We move forward. So before I bring Joseph up here, because if I know someone, I've met him in the last couple of years, who is a go man, <laughs> who is a stand man, and who is a tell man, it's Joseph Hamilton from the Martin House. And Pastor at uh, One in Christ Church. Uh, and he's going to tell, tell you his story. I, I, I just, I want you, as you listen to him, to weave your story into his story. Where are you going? Where are you standing? And who are you telling? Joseph, will you come up here and uh, talk to us, brother? Yeah, come on up. We love you. You be ready. You be ready. When they start to sing their song, I want to invite you to come to this table. Because Joseph's story is about this table. The broken body of Jesus. And the shed blood. And when you take that bread and you dip it, you know that we're participating in that, sharing in that together. Okay, brother.
1: Thank you. Thank you. you. Eric. Eric. Again, my name is Pastor Joseph, uh, one in Christ Church and founder of the Martin Home. Uh, It's good to be here today. And, And first, I didn't do it last service, but I just need to thank these guys because we were singing last night and we were out late until about 10 or something like that. And, and, and they just go with me anywhere. So can you just please give them a hand? And, and I'm gonna talk for about one minute, Ron, so you got about one minute to get what you want to get back there, uh, and then we're gonna keep going because there is such a thing as uh, WPT, uh, white people time. Um, <laughs> but you know, I found something about white people time. Uh, WPT, in, in business, WPT, white people are always on time, at least from what I've seen, until I got into the therapist group and then I said they were always having reasons for why they weren't on time. But um, I also found that uh, white people are not on time when they come to church. <laughs> The ones who are on time are saying preach. The ones who are quiet are like, ouch. But uh, yeah, so there's a such thing as CP time, uh, color people time, so. Um, and we're just late everywhere. We're late everywhere. Um, uh, so, uh, but I, uh, uh, I also wanted to thank uh, Elder Taylor, uh, Richard Taylor, he's the director of our counseling. And then Lonnie is, is somewhere around, he, he, he moves a lot. Uh, but he's somewhere around. Stand so they can see you. Let him see you, let him see you. Amen, amen. He, he, he had um, an, an oblation uh, where they had to go in and do some stuff to his heart on Thursday, right? Friday, Friday Thursday. And uh, we were talking and I had to be at the LA mission on Friday night and he said, man, I'm trying to get there with you. And then last night we were at our anniversary and he's, I'm trying to get there with you. But he is here with us today, after having that surgery on Thursday. And so I appreciate uh, just the love that he has for us. Uh, can we just, yeah, yeah.